This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the show once again. And as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Daniel Mallory Ortberg. With me in the studio this week is uh, Sarah Schneider, a registered nurse and a dear friend of mine who lives in the Bay Area. Um, it says here that her Go Fish game is on point. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for taking a break from your busy card playing <laughs> schedule. Thank you so much for having me. You know how much nurses love to play cards. I know. I mean, when I think of nurses, I think of uh, really just hustlers, gamesters, game sharks. Absolutely. Um, yeah, our Hold'em games are brutal. Pool playing and just ignoring any and all pages. Oh, yeah. No, we never respond to call lights or beeps or anything. No, nothing no. like that. Mm-hmm. Unflappably uh, focused on your card game. Yeah, I mean, we're basically professional card players. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm so sorry that people sometimes say dumb things about nurses. It's fine. We're good at our jobs. She doesn't need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I having heard many a tale uh, from you about how your work is going and how periodically you're like, should I should I train to become a first responder? Because sometimes <laughs> I have downtime and I feel like I could maybe be working in an ambulance um, when I'm not like already working. I mean, I was having a day. You were you were having. A I was day having a, a day. Yeah. yeah, I was I was very glad to be with you in that moment. Say. I was glad you were there too. Yeah. Your your guidance was as always excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I'm happy to help. I'm often happy to be able to give people advice of like I think you can do less here. <laughs> I got to do that a little bit today. I had a couple of people who were like, I think I need to intervene with a coworker. And oh. often people do. But in this case, um, they didn't have to. No, they didn't have to. They got to take the opportunity to not do anything. It was one of those things where it's just like, you're just going to have to live with the possibility that somebody might be getting away with something. Mm. And sometimes, and I can certainly relate to this. I really relate to not wanting to let somebody get away with something, but also... Yeah. Sometimes it's better to it's just, just gonna do happen nothing. Sometimes. Yeah, it's just going to happen. And it doesn't affect this person in any way. Uh, oh, good. Then they should definitely not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just it's an important gift to be able to give yourself every once in a while. <laughs> but um, this first letter is not one where I can just say, just don't worry about it. I know. I was I was fretting about this or one. Or rather, the ways in which I think they can try to achieve greater distance is not going to be about just like, just relax. So I know. It's going to take some work. But I know. All right, so I'll read this one because it's no fun. Okay, sounds great. Um, and plus, that means you get to read the next one, which is <laughs> oh, incredible. They're, I mean, they're all kind of incredible, but let's do this. Incredible. All right, so first one is uh, how to manage a gift from an estranged parent. Dear Prudence, I've been mostly estranged from my mother for almost six years. We last spoke on the phone in 2015, and our communication now is limited to emails and birthday cards. I try to keep her updated about big events in my life. This fall, I emailed to let her know that my father, the ex-husband she was married to for 30 years, had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and was expected to die in three to six months. She emailed me back to wish me well and to let her know if there was anything she could do. Prudy, this broke my heart. I always thought that if times got really tough, she would get over our conflict and behave like a mother. I felt abandoned during one of the worst moments of my life. I'm happy to report that eight months after that email, my father is still alive and will probably have another year or so. 
But that was the last I heard from my mother until today when I received a mail-order wine-of-the-month delivery. I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I can accept a gift without acknowledging it and thanking the sender, but I also don't want to thank my mother for anything. I also don't want to ignore this, and I know that she'll be telling everyone what a terrible, ungrateful child I am. My third option is to email and say that I don't appreciate the gift and would like her not to do this sort of thing, which is likely to stir up interpersonal conflict that I'm not prepared to manage. I have a lot of stressors in my life right now, including career trouble, marital stress, infertility, and my dad's ongoing health issues. I'm really sorry. I am too. You know, I mean, I tried like running this through the like uh, with the most generous to the mother filters on. Oh, I didn't even try that. That's a really good. I was just trying to to think of like, is there a situation in which like the father in question like horribly cheated on her or was abusive to her in ways that the letter writer never saw such that it would explain or justify her need for distance now? Sure. But even then, like she could have showed up for her daughter. Yeah, exactly. Like there are ways to show up for somebody when they're dealing with like an illness, like a really serious illness of a family member that don't involve like showing up for that particular for the person who's ill. Yeah. And then I think between that and then the line about if I don't say thank you for my wine of the month, she will be telling everyone what a terrible, ungrateful child I am. My read on this is not one with maximum generosity settings up. I would agree with that. So even allowing for like maybe it's possible that she has some reason to need to keep her distance from her ex-husband. I I, I don't think that that really matters for this letter writer. I think the question is still like how do I – um essentially figure out what's the level of conflict I'm willing and able to have with my mom Yeah, and do that. Yes, I think that that is also what this letter writer is asking. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that, like, if you wanted to, you could accept the gift and not say anything. Oh, 100%. Like, you can 100% not thank a, a gift giver for a gift you did not ask for. Yeah. Um, I, I think especially, too, because, like, you have been – you actually – the first line doesn't say I've been mostly estranged. It just says I've been estranged. I realize I added that, like, um, unconsciously because you've been basically, like, rolling out a soft estrangement for yes. six years. Yes. And I think the question right now on your mind is, like, is it time to switch to, like, a hard estrangement where we don't send birthday cards and if she sends me stuff, I don't respond? I mean, it's I – mean, it's also just such a weird, like, like, you're not close to your mother, so I wouldn't expect her to know about the stressors in your life. But, like, a, a wine of the month gift is a terrible gift for somebody struggling with infertility. Because <laughs> if you're trying to get pregnant, you're probably not drinking a bunch of wine. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, there's a number of ways in which, like, the last time you talked was in the fall. I'm sorry, your father is dying. And then, like, six months later, here is an anonymous bottle of wine sent to you by a company that picks wine out every month. It's not a, like maybe she was trying, but it was it was not a great uh, – a better attempt would have been an email saying, I'm how are you doing? You. I'm thinking of you. Is there anything you need? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So – Anyways, so I I think your options are as follows. Like, one, if you just are like, you know what? I know if I try to engage her on this, we're just going to get roped into our old fighting. And I want permission to just say, yep, she's probably going to tell people I'm a terrible child. I don't really have the bandwidth to deal with that right now. I'm fine with her saying that to, like, her bridge club uh, Right. It seems unlikely that they are people who are both in your life and your mother's life. Like, yeah. whoever your mother would be talking trash to is probably not also, like, close to you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, it, it doesn't feel good to know that, like, somebody's saying something mean about you behind your back. But yeah. also, like, those people are not in are, are likely not in your life. Yeah. So I know you say that you don't want to ignore this. So, you, you know, if the idea of ignoring it feels really unbearable to you, certainly you don't have to. But if you just need permission to take one thing off your plate and just say, like, my mom might periodically send me, like, dumb, thoughtless stuff <laughs> and I'm not going to um, – tell her what I'm really thinking. I'm just going to keep it super light, super surface level and just say like, thanks, mom, and then move on with my life. Right. Uh, Rather than thinking of that in terms of like, oh, my mom thinks she's doing the right thing. You can think of it in terms of like, my mom does not get to have access to what I'm really thinking because I can't trust her with like my actual needs and feelings because, you know, as evidenced by when you said, hey, my father is dying. And she was like, sorry to hear that as if you were like, distant former co-workers. Right. Um, I think that that would be totally justified. Um, I think it would be totally justified. I think if you want to acknowledge, if you, like, this is semantics, but if you don't want to thank your mother for anything, you could acknowledge the receipt of the gift without saying thank you. Like, you mm-hmm. could say something like, hey, mom, got the wine. Nice to know you were thinking of me. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And I know that that's, that, like, that is really sort of parsing words, but you sometimes that helps. But sometimes it feels better. Yep. Uh, Other options, I think, include something like, hey, mom, I was a little confused. The last time we spoke, I told you that my father was dying uh, and then I got some wine from you in the mail today. Was that a mistake? (laughs) Like just in a way that makes it really clear how bizarre that is as a follow up. Again, that might invite conflict. Your mom might throw a fit. You might not want to do that. But that is an option. You also, you know, I'll, I'll give this last option. You also just can write back and say, I'm really hurt that you haven't been able to be here for me when my dad is dying. I don't want you to send me wine gifts right now. I don't have the energy to talk to you right now. I need you to leave me alone. Um, Again, that's also a higher conflict route. She might talk shit about you at the grocery store. Um, She might write back something hurtful. But you don't have to worry about that. Like you've already minimized your contact with her down to barely nothing. Um, If you would like to take down that last 10% because that last 10% of interactions still takes up like 50% of your emotional and mental energy on any given day, um, this might be the opportunity. So, And if you do want to go one of the higher conflict routes, especially if you're sending an email, if she emails you back, you can choose not to read that email, put it in a folder mm -hmm. unread, and check it later when you feel like you have more emotional bandwidth. Mm -hmm. You could also ask your, I mean, maybe not your partner because you say you're going through marital stress right now, but maybe a good friend. And you can just say, like, hey, I'm going through a lot right now. I I can't even look at this email my mom sent me. Can you just look at it and kind of hold that for me and, like, let me know if you think there's something in it I need to respond to. But basically just, like, be the keeper of mom conflict for right now. You don't have to do anything other than read it. Right. Um, I, I think that that might feel helpful to know that somebody else is in your corner. Um, Agreed. But basically all of those options are available to you. I think you get to decide whether or not you want to argue with your mom about this or whether you you want to be honest with your mom about not wanting to talk to her or just, you know, you can also just lie and say, thanks for the wine, mom, and then go about your day. Um, all of these are options that are open to you. I think any one of these, the question is really just what sounds best to you. Yeah. You, you, there are no options that I would say you don't get to pick that one. No, all yeah. of those are are definitely on the table. Yeah. You can also lie and tell her that you just found out you're allergic to wine. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> You have my permission to kind of say anything you need to right now. Um, and I'm really, really sorry. And I hope that you are able to figure out um, 
Also, you're not a terrible, ungrateful child. No. Yeah. Hopefully you know that already. But just if part of you feels like if my mom says it, I have to give space to that. You're you not. Don't. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. She's wrong. Your mom's response to stuff is not a good one. No. Um, but that can be hard. You know, I mean, that that feeling of like, I know she's a bad mom. I know that the estrangement is necessary, but there was always this little voice in the back of my head that says, like, someday when life gets really difficult, she's actually going to step up and be the mom I always wanted her to be. And you know that that's not true. And that's devastating. It's super painful. You know, like, it's one thing to kind of adjust your expectations with a parent, but there's, I think, for most of us, always a little voice in the back of the head that says, like, I need my parent right now and and they'll be here for me and when they're not it's still disappointing even if you're used to it right even if it's the 40th time you've lowered the bar it's still really really painful yeah so don't you know don't beat yourself up for wanting that or for hoping that or for feeling disappointed um again anything you want to say to your mom is kind of on the table short of like going absolutely ballistic and like calling her names Uh, yeah but i think that you know either you know sort of not acknowledging it, acknowledging it in a surface level or um, sort of acknowledging that she's mm-hmm. hurt you and that this is a weird thing to do. Like all of those are completely yep. appropriate and that I don't think that you will regret yeah. doing it in terms of like how you feel about yourself. Yeah. You also like have my permission to throw it away, not acknowledge it. And if she ever <laughs> asks, say, yeah, I thought it was really weird and ill-timed. I threw it out. I didn't appreciate it. Is also a fine thing for you to say. Yeah, that's also totally fine. Yeah. So moving on to a very different kind of mom. um, I mean, is it? Well, it's hard because this letter writer is apparently normally very close to her mom. It's so weird. Which, by the way, people often write, I'm very close to someone and then describe a relationship where I don't think they're close so much as you give them what they want all the time. Sure. And that's, uh, I worry. I know. I worry. I worry. I worry. Please read this. Okay. Subject, mom is unsupportive of my wedding. Dear Prudence, I'm getting married in two years. My fiancé and I are paying for our wedding ourselves, but we both make good money, combined around $300,000. My mom, with whom I am very close, just does not understand why we want to have a big wedding for $40,000. We have a lot of friends, and we've dreamed of throwing a huge party celebrating our love for years. All I'm asking of my mom is to show up to the wedding and have fun, but she insists on trying to change my mind anytime I bring the wedding up. She says it's a mockery of my parents' financial situation, they make less money than me, and that she has failed at raising me with any financial sensibilities. How do I get her to understand that my life is not her life and I just want her to be happy for me? <laughs> so I had I had a couple thoughts about this. Um, one is that... You like this idea that she has raised you without any financial sensibilities is outrageous. You've made it into the upper echelons of earning potential. And there's absolutely no way that your wedding could be a mockery of your parents' financial situation unless you are unless you're secretly planning to, like, address the fact that they make less money than you do in your welcome speech at your wedding. Like, that's just not. Like, no amount of money that if you if you threw a hundred thousand dollar wedding, like there's no way that that could be a mockery of her of of your parents' financial situation. I do think it would be like the sort of the only um like you should you should throw this wedding for yourself. like, but the only sort of conversation that I think would be worth broaching with her with this because I think anytime she brings this up, you should just be like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, but this is what we're doing. Um, the only thing that might be worth addressing is 
is go like not when she brings up how much the wedding costs, but go to her and say, hey, I've noticed that like every time the wedding comes up, you talk about how much it costs and you have resistance to that. I'm wondering if there's anything else going on. Like, do you have feelings around this wedding that are not financially based? Like, I don't know what your birth order is. Are you her first kid getting married? Is she does she feel a sense of loss that you're getting married? So I think that might be a conversation worth having. But I think anything surrounding, like, how much money you're spending on your wedding, like, you you can sort of stop engaging with her around that. So I weirdly feel like <laughs> uh, I, I was a little surprised by my own response to this because okay. normally stuff like this, I'm like, you know, shut it down. But I think there are probably ways in which it could be a mockery of their financial situation. Or, like, maybe mockery is not a great word. But, like, if your parents are struggling to make ends meet – um, and you have lots and lots and lots of money and you decide to throw a $40,000 wedding again without saying like they have the right to demand it of you or you are a monster or a jerk and, or, or even to say that like the way she's bringing it up is good um, without saying any of those things. I, I could see ways in which it could feel challenging and painful. Um I don't know that. Like, based on this letter, it could be, like, the parents could make, you know, $150,000 a year and be perfectly comfortable um, and just be, like, kind of sour grapesing it. But I'm wondering, like, if your parents, like, need money. I, I, I guess what I would say is if your mom and you are normally close and you normally think your mom has good judgment and this is coming up really unexpectedly, there may be an opportunity here to ask that question before you say, no matter what, you can't keep bringing it up like this. But to say like, mom, do you need money? Are you sure. okay? I think that's an, I, I like, I guess I just didn't read that into, because I think that there is an expectation that like parents will help pay for a wedding. Sure. And it sounds like they're planning on paying for this thing themselves. Totally. And so, I mean, I guess, like, that's possible. I think that's, a, I mean, that might be a question worth asking. But it just sounds like because they, she and her betrothed have mm -hmm. decided to pay for it themselves and they have the financial means to do so, that, totally. um, that mom is maybe feeling, like, left out and, yeah. like, she can't, yeah, and, yeah. like, it, and, and, and that it, um, and that there's not a role for her in it in terms of the finances. For sure. And, like, I'll, I'll totally, I'm totally on board with you in terms of, like, you do need to talk to your mom. Yes. You absolutely get to say and need to say, like, you cannot keep doing this. Yeah. If you keep doing this, um, I will not have conversations with you about my wedding. Uh, if you keep doing this, I don't want you there. Right. I would love for you to be there. It would make me very sad um, if you decided you would not like to go. Yeah. But the, like, ball is in your court. And I don't think we're there yet because it sounds like they're really close and it just sounds like it's a, yeah. an on. I mean, and it's also it's two years away. Yes. So you definitely don't want to keep having this conversation for the next right. two years. Right, like, right, that's right. going to erode the closeness that you have with your mother. Yeah. And it's going to, it's just, it's not going to be good for anybody involved. Yeah. And I think that would be the important thing to say, too. Like, in this conversation, you say, like, Mom, we're normally really close. When I think about the next two years... If this happens every time we talk about the wedding, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. Right. Um, and, and that makes me really, really sad. Right. And I want to figure out another way to talk about it. And so part of this conversation, I think, can involve like, mom, this isn't like you. You don't normally talk to me like this. Um, Which I'm is worried, why I wonder like, if there's something else going on besides the money. Well, and that's why I wonder, like, do you need money? Sure. Like, have okay. you guys been taking out loans and not telling me? Are you in more right. debt than you said? Like. Uh, is is that why you're so upset about this? Because right. like, if so, I want to know. I, right. I would maybe want to be able to help. Of course. And again, I don't, you know, that doesn't make the way that she's been bringing it up okay. But again, if she's normally a good parent yes. and this is kind of out of character, look for the opportunity to be helpful and to understand before you go to laying down the law. Fair. 
Yeah. But then, you know, if there's nothing going on behind that, if she's just like, I think it's a horrible idea to spend $40,000 on a wedding and no one should do it. I got married for $4. Everyone like brought their own sandwiches and um, their own chairs. Right. I I think at that point, it's going to be really okay to say like, I get it. You don't have to like it or approve of it. But trust at this point, I am crystal clear on the fact that you don't approve. Yeah. That you would not want to spend any money like this on a wedding yourself. Um. We are not asking anyone else to pay for it. Uh, We have the means. We are not going into debt for it. This is our decision. You need to let it go. Or, like, find a therapist you can talk to about this. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think there is a balance here to be struck between, like, first do a little investigating because it seems out of character. I mean, it sounds like we both think that there's investigating worth doing and Mm -hmm. that there might be something behind it. Like, you went money. I went, like, losing a child. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I just I, I feel like I so often get the chance to tell people to like tell your parents like to shut sure. up and stop, and so I always want to like if there's some yeah, yeah. good foundations I definitely think, there. I definitely think that there's investigations worth doing. Yeah, um, and I'm also yeah I'm not against helping family members out financially, especially totally. if if um, they have a it's good just such a weird like making a mockery. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people get really intense about weddings and money and you you see it in both sides like people who are like i will like mortgage my children's future <laughs> in order to pay for this and also I will people, cut off grandma if she doesn't give me ten thousand yeah, dollars for the wedding and, yeah. and and also people who get very like if you you know don't get married in a backyard and have everyone bring their own thermoses you're a monster and sure. there's never a good reason to want to spend a lot of money on like a single day and yeah. um i think there are ways to be too far to the extreme in either side but agreed Basically, I don't think anyone's ever convinced anyone to not spend money by, like, repeatedly saying you're making a mockery (laughs) of my life. Like, that's just not an effective strategy. Ah, so the subject of the next letter is called guilt from mother. Let's let's focus on, like, dads or something next week. It's just so many moms. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. We just, yeah, it's a mom-heavy week, I guess. It is. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Moms are good. Not these moms all the time. I mean, they're trying. They're human beings. Totally. Um, Everybody's doing the best they can. Yeah. Subject is guilt for mother. Dear Prudence, my parents got divorced when I was young and my mom got the short end of the custody stick. For the past few months, I've been going to her house less and staying at my dad's longer. This is because the environment at my mom's is kind of terrible. My younger half-brother has hurt us in the past, mostly my mom, both verbally and physically. He has behavioral issues and goes to counseling and is acting better but hasn't completely stopped. My mom doesn't help him with some of these problems and either makes him feel horribly guilty or just lets him bully her. What he does is unacceptable, but he's also still a child. I feel like I'm leaving them to deal with each other's BS. Also, I'm a trans man, and I came out to her a couple of years ago. She said she's accepting and that she loves me, but continues to call me by my dead name, former pronouns, and constantly tells me that we have to have, quote, girl time, which makes me feel like she's going out of her way to misgender me. She doesn't like the thought of me transitioning, but reluctantly said that once I'm 18, next year, she won't be able to stop me. She won't. During the holidays, she bought me another binder, which was a nice gesture, but also confusing considering how she treats me the rest of the time. There are other minor reasons as to why I don't go over there anymore. She's very overbearing and often makes me feel guilty for not coming. But I can tell that she's truly hurt, especially because of the already limited custody time. I can't tell if she's doing this on purpose, hoping that I'll come back. Even when I suck it up and do small things like go out to lunch with her and my half-brother, it feels near intolerable. But I do love her, and I know she loves me. I know that if I told her all of this, it would break her heart. Should I spare her feelings and wait this out until college or figure out a way to make this work the best I can? Mm. 
So there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Obviously. Do you think as this letter writer is considering his various options, both short and long term, that there's like a particular principle that he should bear in mind or like a, a kind of list of priorities that should come first? I mean, I think sort of protecting himself physically and emotionally is probably the highest order of business. Um, it, I would agree that uh, it does sound like your mother is going out of her way to misgender you. I'm also, like, I'm really concerned about the the your younger sibling who hurts you and your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder sort of, like, what support there is there. But that's not... But, but with absent extra support for that, mm-hmm. I do think that it makes a lot of sense for you to spend less time at your mother's. Yeah. Right. Even even if your mother were handling your um, your transition flawlessly. Right. Spending time in a home with somebody who hurts you is it, like it's not safe there. It's not safe for you. And I don't think it would actually help your mother. For him to spend more time there? Like, yeah. If you were going there because you were like, I worry that I'm leaving her alone. She is his parent. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You can't. Um, moderate somebody else's I, I hesitate to say like he, he's abusing her because he's a child it's unclear to me how old right. he is I, or how again i'm also not actions clear. like for the purpose of this particular conversation yes you can't like draw off or absorb physical or verbal abuse from him such that she's going to like so that you protect your mother the solution is that your mom needs to get more support yes in in dealing with his like physical and verbal acting out. Yes. Um, so please, as hard as it can be to not say like, it's my fault, I should go over there more, I should act as a buffer for her, you would not actually be helping her by putting yourself in harm's way. Or yourself or your younger sibling. Yeah. So to that end, do you think that the letter writer should like, do you think his dad is aware of like how bad things are over at that house? Like, I don't know. It's unclear. I mean, I think I think definitely enlisting help. Yeah. Is a good plan, whether it's dad, whether it's a friend, whether it's a counselor, whether it's all of those people. Yeah. Um, Like the the situation at your mother's house sounds pretty untenable. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I I hope you can talk to your dad. Um, I hope um, you can like maybe ask to see a therapist um, for a little while. But to say, I think essentially um, I'm not physically safe at mom's house. Um, so I, I won't go over there anymore. Yeah. If we have to revisit the custody agreement, um, it's not that I don't want to have any contact with mom, but like that needs to be a hard limit for me yes. in terms of my safety. That's okay for you to say. It's okay for you to name. Um, it's only your job as like a teenager to name ways in which you, the you adults in your life need to look of. out for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I know that there's a part of you that feels like that's just going to make things harder for my mom. She's already overwhelmed. And I, I just want to say to you that like she is the adult here. It is her job to figure out if she doesn't already have the support she needs to keep her kids safe. How to get it. And to she get shouldn't it. get it from you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you need to say that to your dad, to a school counselor, um, uh, to a teacher that you trust, to an adult that you trust, to somebody. But that needs to be clear, and that's okay for you to say. And again, you're not saying my half-brother is a monster and an irredeemable person no. and you're a bad mom. You're just saying I can't do this anymore. Right. 
You're just naming what's going on and saying that you can't you can't do it. Right. So yeah. if you're worried about that, if someone tries to guilt you into not naming reality by claiming that's what you're doing, I, I just want you to be able to say, I'm not saying any of those things. Right. All I'm saying is that historically I've not been physically safe at mom's house. Yeah. Um, and things need to change. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that might make your mom sad. And I'm so sorry because it's hard not to feel responsible for your parents' feelings. Of course. But it's just not you that's not your fault right it's just and not. she can be sad yeah like it's okay if she's sad about that yeah again she's got other people in her life um up to and including doctors therapists and friends that she can and needs to turn to um and not to her kids to help her fix this yes um so it's it's a i, I think for you frankly too, just like getting to see a therapist who can help you figure out ways in which you are not responsible for your mom's happiness or unhappiness is going to yes. be really important. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think especially given that your mom has a history of being overbearing and trying to guilt you into doing things that you don't want to do, a therapist is just going to be helpful for you long term because like going to college will be helpful. You'll get a little space and distance, but you're still going to have to figure out what kind of relationship you want to and are able to have with your mom for the rest of your life. So this isn't just going to go away like right. now Even I'm College, I'm if, safe. Right. And even if, she, like, even if the the situation at your mother's house is fixed, like, she's still going to be the same um, person. She's still going to be the same person. So you're going to, you're going to need to navigate that and yeah. boundaries and what you are, like, what you want and need from her and what you are and aren't willing to put up with from her. Yeah. And so I think, uh, it, yeah, those are the kind of priorities right now. Yeah. In addition to, um, any of the kind of conversations that you have with your mom around transition, I would say that's really up to you. If you want to kind of just like keep her a little bit at arm's length right now so you can kind of focus on just like finishing high school, figuring out where you want to go to college, dealing with your half-brother, that's fine. Um, if you also want to start saying to your mom, like, I understand that you may have a tough time letting go of certain hopes or expectations you had for a daughter. Um, I can't help you with that. As a child and also as your son, I am uniquely unqualified to help you mourn the loss of whatever dreams you might have had around that. Yeah. You need to find either a therapist or a friend to share that with. Yes. Um, I can't help you with that. I cannot give you girl time. Correct. Um, I am incapable of doing girl yeah. time. So, um, you know, I appreciate the, like, gift of the binder. I would much rather than you, like, buying me clothes just listen, give me a little bit of space here. Use correct um, pronouns. Maybe try to Use like call name. me by my name. Yeah. Um, and, and even just to stress, like, it's not that like transition is something I'm going to be able to start doing when I'm 18. It's something that's already going on. It's already on. happening. Yeah. And you have the option of either participating with me in this or in creating a bubble where you have a fictional version of me that you can, you know, have less and less control over uh, with time. So those are your two options. There's not an option where you act actually get to, like, postpone my transition. You just don't get to know me as well. Right. Um, That's really beautifully said. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, you, your your options are not uh, postpone or, or call off my transition. Your options right. are, like, get to know me for who I am or, you know, have a lot of loud conversations on your phone about your imaginary daughter um, to your friends. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't want you to have to develop a fantasy relationship hey. when you have a kid right here. Yeah. Um, but again, that uh, feels a little a, a, 
that's going to come more with time. It's a little less pressing than issues of than physical safety. safety. I'm really glad that in the meantime, you're able to stay with your dad. Likewise. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm very glad that you have a safe space to stay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would just say mostly, like, if your mom's heart is broken, um, as sad as that is, and as much as her feelings matter, you cannot mend your mother's broken heart. Um, if your mother's heart is broken by you saying, I can't be in a house where I know that my brother might attack me, your mother's heart is broken by the wrong things. And she needs to, as I sometimes say on the show, radically reorient her heart. I love that. Thanks. I'm so glad we got to get that in. I am too. Oh, yeah. oh, man. I know. I, really, I was like, oh, no, it's my turn to read. Speaking of things I wish someone hadn't tried to oh, successfully no, get in. I can't. You have to. Subject, I'm sorry. best man's confession. Dear Prudence, I am engaged to the man I love. Last week, his stepbrother and the best man cornered me at a party and confessed he had been in love with me for years. I tried to laugh it off. I told him he was drunk and needed to stop. He grabbed me and told me he was stone-cold sober and to marry him instead. I jerked my arm and retorted he was drunk because there was no way he would say these things to me, these words, sane and sober. The next day, he texted me he would, quote, love me now and forever. And all I had to do was, quote, say the word. I was friendly with him before I met my fiancé, but in five years, he never asked me out or hinted that he had feelings for me. Why would he do this? Now! I am terrified of ruining everything. I am complicit if I don't speak up, but I don't want to break up my fiancé's family over this. I have the text, so I have proof, but now all my wedding joy is anxiety over whether this guy is going to be there or not. I don't have it in me to make small talk over brunch with a man who wants me to leave my fiancé for him. I can't even ask my own mother for advice because I'm afraid of it getting out. I I just feel terrible for this letter writer. Me too. I just I I can feel how like stressed and upset she is. Uh-huh. Um I don't know why this person would do this now. Um you can't ruin everything. Like like this is like yep. I know you feel like if you say anything to anyone you're creating drama. He created the drama. This isn't your drama. This is his drama and I I know you like, I know it will be painful. You have to talk to your fiancé. You cannot go through this alone. Yeah. You cannot wonder. Like, I don't know how long it will be until you get married. I, not only did this person confess their love to you, they put their hands on you. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just so out of line. And I'm so sorry. Um, and I really don't want you to do this by yourself. Yeah. Um, and, like, you you will not break up his family. Like, whatever happens yeah. after you tell him is not yours to fix or control. Um, and I just it just sounds awful. And yeah. I'm so sorry. But but please, please talk to your fiancé. This is a person who loves you and wants to spend the rest of their lives with you. And um, and you and you you don't deserve to hold on to this forever yeah. for the sake of trying to keep the peace. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And the things that I would just add to that are, number one, you say I'm complicit if I don't speak up. You are being too hard on yourself. Yes. Um, that man behaved wildly out of character. Um, he did something totally shocking to you. It was completely unwelcome and unprompted. Like, uh, you are flustered and anxious and scared. The idea of, like, I'm now obligated to tell my partner because otherwise I'm, like, basically having an affair. Oh, yeah. I don't mean that you need to tell no, your No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean, like, 
that's not why you need to tell him. Right. You need to tell him because you deserve support. Yes. And because this guy is not trustworthy. No. Um, but you don't need to tell him because otherwise you're just as bad as he is. Right. Or when like you tell him it shouldn't. Him on. When you tell him it's not from a place of like, I have done this terrible thing. I am involved in this awful thing. It's like, hey, your best man was wildly out of line with yeah. me. Yeah. So you're not complicit. You, right. you need to tell your partner because you deserve help and support yes. in not ever being around this guy. Yes. Um, not because otherwise you've like basically cheated on your partner. Correct. And and think too, you know, um, if this, I mean, obviously, I hope there's no one in your family who would do this. But if your partner came to you and said like, I'm mortified, I can't believe this, you know, your maid of honor or like one of your really close relatives hit on me in a way that was like bizarre and disorienting and it got physical and I was terrified. I have to imagine letter writer that you would be like, my God, I can't believe this. I, I, I'm going to talk to that relative right away. I'm right. so angry on your behalf. I'm here for you. What do you need? Right. So, you know, give your fiance the chance to support you in the way that I believe you would support him. Yes. If the tables were turned. Yes. And I hope this is not what happens. But if your fiance does any of the following, like says, I don't believe you or encourages you to like get, get over, over it, it, then this is good information to have yes, before that you is, marry. That him. is that is a, a red flag, the reddest of flags. Yeah. That that is a sign that this is right. not a person who is in your corner yeah. or will fight for you when you need support. Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. I, I think I think your fiance will support you unequivocally and that you should enlist his help yeah. in managing this very inappropriate person yeah and ask your mother for advice and definitely talk to your mom you yeah. don't yeah I, I it sounds like you're close with your mom and you would like to tell your mom and the only thing stopping you from talking to your mom is because you don't want it to get out it's gonna get out yeah um and please feel free to reach out to your mother yeah this man's bad judgment and horrible behavior is not your secret to keep nope yep nope not your burden to bear not your circus not, not your, your monkeys. monkeys as they I feel like you actually taught me that expression did I I feel like you did because I did not learn it until I oh, was well into my 30s that would be thrilling if I had taught you that because it's like, such a good saying I in fact used it this morning on the live chat it's a lot of fun because oh, I just like the idea of like <laughs> just chasing around having monkeys. to identify which circus is and isn't mine and which monkeys are and aren't yours yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right uh, it's me right it it's is my turn you okay so uh at least this one is like the mom is writing to us, you know? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a twist, right? It's slightly different from all the other ones it's that we've been getting. It's still like family members behaving badly, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look for a silver <laughs> lining here, Sarah. Uh, I, I will permit you no silver linings. Fair enough. All right, here we go. So the subject is new relationship. <laughs> but not like good and fun new. I mean, the relationship sounds great. The problem is the old relationship. Yeah, the yeah, new yeah. relationship sounds pretty great. All right, here we go. Uh, dear Prudence, my ex ruined our marriage with repeated affairs. I left after his last affair partner claimed to be pregnant, and my ex decided that I needed to be a stepmother to this child during one of our counseling sessions. The pregnancy didn't pan out. We have been divorced for two years and have three children, 12, 9, and 7. I'd basically given up on men until I met Dan. He is a widower with a nine-year-old daughter. He's good, solid, and kind. We've seen each other quietly for about five months and have just mentioned our relationship to the kids. They were happy until my youngest let it slip to her father. He reacted badly. I quote, don't know what I'm doing, and I'm trying to replace him with the kids. 
He's been passive-aggressively trying to turn the kids against Dan and me. My kids are acting up and acting out. My youngest has tantrums if I go out, and my oldest refuses to talk to her father because, quote, he just wants to hurt you, mom. My ex wants to use that as evidence that I am poisoning the kids against him. We ended up having a screaming match over the phone where I told him I could have poisoned the kids at any time by telling them the truth about what he did. My ex had affairs with multiple mutual acquaintances. I had to switch my daughter to a different dance studio. I told him that I would turn the kids against him if he didn't stop trying to screw up my future like he did our marriage. The threat worked, but our co-parenting relationship is at a nadir. Nadir? Nadir. nadir. I think it's nadir. I have no I idea how say you say nadir. that word. It's at an all-time low is what it's at. Yes, it is. It's badly affecting the kids. I am sick with worry and rage. I don't want to be this person. Dan has been my rock through all of this, but I don't know if I'm doing the right thing by pursuing this relationship. I don't want to be alone for the next 10 to 12 years until the kids are adults. Holy smokes. So I had a couple of thoughts while reading this. Yeah? My first thought was that this person sounds like a really good mom. Yeah. My first thought was that this sounds like this person sounds like a really good mom. She is full of what she say uh, worry and rage yeah. but she has not um she has done the good mom thing of like not telling her kids like well I left your father because he was sleeping with everybody including the person who runs your dance studio mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not information the kids need to have. No, no. Especially not at 7, 9, and 12. No, and she, right, so she did not tell the kids. It sounds like she threatened her husband with it or her ex-husband with it, but she did not actually tell her children. Um, And she's also considering ending this relationship so that her, like, because she thinks it will make her children happier if she ends the relationship, which is, like, very, um, I don't know. I, like, like, it's really, like, she's really, really taking her children's needs to heart and in mind when she's trying to, like, contemplate what her next correct steps are. Yeah. Um, I would say it's not unusual for a seven-year-old to act out after their parents get divorced. Yeah. Um, it may or may not have anything to do with the new relationship. Even if it does, that means you don't have to – like, that doesn't mean you have to end it. Right. Um, this was going to be a tough time no matter what. Yeah. The question is about the relationship yes. and whether or not she should leave Dan. Yeah. I don't think she should leave Dan. Yeah. It sounds I, like Dan is a really positive force in their lives. I almost read this less as like, should I quit seeing Dan so much as like, that felt like I'm not going to try to leave Dan. I'm worried Dan's going to leave me. And kind of the implicit question I but felt she like. she says, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing by pursuing this relationship, mm. which makes it sound to me like she is maybe contemplating no longer pursuing this relationship. Yeah. That's... And I want to come down really hard on the side of like, you have said, like, there's right. nothing in this letter that suggests to me that Dan right. is problematic or has not or has been anything other than supportive and good. Right, right, right. Like, to me, I read this as the question of like. Is this an okay, like, is it okay for me to pursue this relationship? I don't want to be alone for the next 10 or 12 years until the kids are adults. I think it's totally fine for you to continue to be in a relationship with Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like your ex is make, is using Dan as an excuse to, like, sort of blow up your co-parenting. Um, and I think that that's sort of going to be the harder thing to navigate. But I definitely think you can navigate it while also being in a relationship with this person. Right. And I'll just say, too, like, I don't know if things are going to work out long-term with Dan. Sure. And so I would say I totally understand that fear of, like, am I going to be alone for 10 or 12 years until the kids are all adults? I don't know. I would love to say, like, no, you're a great lady. Your husband, your ex-husband put you through so much. You deserve, like, a Nicholas Sparks-style ending where, like, a guy builds you a boat for 40 years. (laughs) I don't know that that's going to... Like, it may very well be that 
you love Dan. Dan loves you. You guys try as hard as you can. And your current situation is just, like, too hard. Sure. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. But if it does, you know, you can't you can't guarantee that that won't, basically, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. So I would say keep certainly keep dating Dan. Yes. Um, a couple of things that I think are going to be the next right thing. Number one, find a family therapist for your kids. Yes. You know, like... That would be good no matter what, but especially if your kid is melting down every time you leave the house, presumably yes. even if you're just going to, like, not see Dan, but, right. like, to see a friend or, yes. or run an errand without your kid. Like, your kid needs a little extra help right now. Yes. Um, Which would be true regardless of whether or not Dan were in the picture. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, I, I would say it's therapy for the kids. Yes. Um, and, and therapy for you. And therapy for you. It sounds unlikely that your ex would go with you if your ex would be willing to go with you. Mm -hmm. Couples counseling to figure out co-parenting is one of the highest and best uses of therapy. Right. Um, and I think as as awful as the ex-husband sounds, um, I don't think he would fall in the category of like an active abuser, which is kind of like the one circumstance sure. in which you don't want to Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sounds like a serial philanderer, but there's nothing in here about him being unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and if he doesn't go, fine. Yeah, you, don't need you should still go. Um, and maybe, I think, also, um, if you guys can find a mediator um, or, or some, mm -hmm. some way of revisiting your custody agreement, that's not about like being punitive or trying to take the kids away, but just about like, hey, what's happening right now isn't working. Ex-husband, like, you need to find a way to deal with these feelings that do not involve upsetting the kids. Yes. Can we both agree that our goal is not to upset the kids? Yes. Um, and if so, how can we accomplish that best? Yes. Um, do if you feel like it, you can walk back your threat. Yeah. Like, if you feel like you're in a place to, like, well, while you're speaking with him about your co-parenting relationship, walk back and be like, I, you know. Yeah. I'm not like I would not tell the children yeah. about why our marriage crumbled. Their children, they don't need to know right. that. I said that because I was angry. Can mm -hmm. we please, like move past that, move forward, and find right. a way to be the best co-parents we can be. And you can say that in a way that's not, like, apologizing for yeah, it yeah. either. Like, I like the way that you just framed it because it's not like, hey, we both said some things we didn't mean and we're both equally culpable. You do not really need to apologize no, no. to him. But just to make it clear, like, look, I got really heated the last time yes. we spoke. Um, I think not without provocation. Sure. But I don't want to go to that every time that we fight. Right. Um, I am committed to keeping the kids feeling as stable and as safe as they can be. Yes. And they can't feel that way if I tell them that you were screwing their dance teachers. Right, yeah. So that's why I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Can you and I agree on that? Yes. Um. And and just making that, you know, because that also makes it clear. It's like, oh, I'm not doing this for you. Like, right. you're not. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. This is about the children. Yeah. Um, and again, she yeah. sounds like a really good mom. Yeah. yeah. So, but but I want you to be able to see a therapist too because I want you to be able to find a balance between like trying to be like taking the high road for the sake of your kids. Yes. Versus like just feeling like I have to swallow whatever crazy shit my ex does because right. it's my job to be the sane one. Yes. Because um, that's going to put you in a position where you more often periodically like melt down and scream at him. I will poison the kids against sure. you because you got to, you need an outlet for yes. your anger against him. Yes. Um, you can't. Yeah, you, and like a place to workshop ways to say the angry things in a way that's productive. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, because you can say the angry things in a productive way. Uh, they just take they just take some working. Yeah. 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 And so like with your oldest kid who's 12 who doesn't want to talk to um, their dad. Um, oh, yeah. You know, again, hopefully a therapist will be able to be helpful with that. But I would just say don't try to force that. Um, it, like make it clear to your kid like um, – Whatever your relationship with your dad is going to be throughout the course of your life, I don't want you to feel like you have to defend me against right. him. Right. Like you don't have to pick a side. Yep. Yep. You can feel about how your dad 
how you feel. Yep. I'm, but you don't have to you don't have to feel about him anyway on my behalf. Yeah. Let me just reassure you, like I've got my therapist, I've got my friends. Yeah. I'm doing what I need to do to take care of myself. Um, you do not have to pick sides. You yeah. don't have to like stuff that your dad does or says, but I just need you to know I'm okay. Yes. And I want you to be able to have the best possible relationship yes. that you can with your dad. Again, that's yours. That's your call to make. Right. If you need space from him, I'm I'm never going to force you to to, you know, do something that you you don't feel okay with. Um but if sometimes you guys have visitations and um I don't know. I feel like actually now I'm overstepping my bounds. We're like, I don't know what you can or can't say to your kid about the custody agreement. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But basically, I think but- just to stress um because, I mean, have, you can definitely make your kid go spend the weekend yeah. at their dad's house, even if they don't want to. Yeah. Um, definitely happened to me. <laughs> and, yeah, and, like, as your kid gets older, you may – that may change. Sure. Um, but I think to make it clear uh, that – You are loved by both parents. You do not have to pick a parent. Yep. You can feel about your parents how you feel yep. during this time when everything's in sort of turmoil and everybody's upset. Yeah. So those yeah. – I think those are all the main priorities. Then after that's all been addressed, you know, you can continue to let Dan know, like – Things are often hectic. As you know, I have a very difficult ex. Um, to whatever extent you can make, like, your time with Dan a little bit of an oasis from that. Yeah. It sounds like he's done a good yeah, job, right? She says wonderful. Dan's been her rock. Yeah. So that's great. That's great. He yeah. sounds really solid. He sounds wonderful. And, yeah. you know, I hope you two are able to also spend time together that's not given over to, like, walking through the messiness of sure. your ongoing custody agreement. Which, again, but, will be a therapist will be helpful yeah. for because, like, you, like— the more sort of spread out the people you have to process with, the more time you can enjoy um, the time that you have with your loved ones without having to process things. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you, 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 there's nothing right now that makes me think you need to end things with Dan right now. It's not working out. No. Me um, neither. And I'm sorry. And I hope that your ex grows up. Likewise. He doesn't – I mean, I don't have a lot of hope for that. What but, a damn dog in a manger. <laughs> but like, miracles happen. Maybe he will. Mm. All right. Um, it's your oh, turn. Oh, I was real. Okay, I'm really hoping, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say oh. about this because I'm feeling like abdicating all of my uh, advice giving responsibilities on this one because <sighs> I'm just like so at a loss. I wish this letter writer had written to me before they went out for sushi. <laughs> that was the time to write me a letter. <laughs> I know. So I'm just really like, you're the expert at this. Ugh. So I'm just like, I'm not saying anything on Great. this letter. It's all you. Great. You go read it. Cool. I'll read it. And then I, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. And then I'm just going to disagree on principle. Fantastic. Cool. Uh, subject, money tantrums. Dear Prudence, my husband and I are blessed with good careers, a lovely child, and a great community. My husband's younger sister is 13 years younger than him and determined to save the world while her parents paid her rent. The last time she visited for two weeks, we paid for the plane ticket. She made many off-color comments about our remodeling and our spending habits, redoing the bathrooms again. How many kids could you feed on that money? It was consistent and annoying as a leaky faucet. I finally took her out for sushi and told her kindly I didn't appreciate her commentary and to stop. She started to lecture me. I stopped her to ask if she had enough money in her wallet to pay for her meal and that pulling out her credit card her parents pay for was cheating. She turned an ugly shade of red. I told her it was hypocritical to take advantage of other people and then tell them what to do with the money they earned. I paid for the meal. We rode back in silence. The rest of the trip went smoothly until she got back home. She plastered her, quote, pain across social media and made me look to be the stepmother to her Cinderella. Her parents are apologetic, and my husband is furious. We had money set aside for her higher education. She's in community college now, and my husband doesn't want to give it to her now. His response is she can, quote, rot. I am not sure what to do. We will have to see her again, but I am not up to dealing with the tantrums. 
Let's see what you got, professional advice giver. This is one of those things where, <laughs> like, I think this person has been watching too much prestige television. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's always so great on TV <laughs> sure. when somebody's like, the reason I brought you here today is because your behavior has been unacceptable. <laughs> Here's a zinger, you know, and they get to like turn out on their heel sure, and be like. I mean, it was like really a good zinger. Yeah. Like, do you have money? Your credit card that your parents pay for doesn't count. What you got? Yeah. If you were like Sansa Stark and this is Game <laughs> of Thrones and you were like it telling be, a lesser noble off. We would be cheering off, for you. It would be great. But like in real life. In life it does not work. In, especially when like, I don't know how young the younger sister is. It's like, hard to tell. She's commu- in community college. She could, could be, be anywhere from could like... Could be a non-traditional eight, age. But she could be anywhere from like 17 to 25. Yeah. But yeah, my read is between... Especially given that she's 13 years younger. Like, she is a kid. Kids say dumb stuff. Late teens, that, early 20s. Yeah, it doesn't mean she's not culpable, but I just mean sure. like... um It's not the same thing as like um needing to set boundaries with like... If this had been your husband's mother, I would maybe have different advice. But the whole like... Taking a a 19-year-old out for, like, spite sushi. Like, manipulation (laughs) sushi. No, spite sushi is better. Spite sushi is just, like... I like spite sushi. You were in the right, and then you did something that puts you in the wrong. Which is always so unsatisfying. And I relate to that, because I have sometimes done that, and there's nothing worse than realizing, oh, I had the moral high ground. Oh, I had the high road, and then I lost And now I have to apologize to this punk bratty kid I know. who's always like walking into my bathroom and sizing up the cost of my remodel and <laughs> saying like you could have bought x amount of whatever else for it like that sucks i know but you were as as great as i'm sure it was to like dunk one over I'm on sure it was so satisfying in the moment but like she's also like a dumb do you know what i mean I like know. you no, got I you know. can't dunk on dumb college students when you are an adult I mean, you, homeowner you can it's just not the right thing to do it, it's it th- there's a reason you don't feel good right now there's a reason that this didn't just like work beautifully because again like if this had been for example your mother-in-law i don't know how bad she feels um, where are you reading regret I, not, not so much <laughs> regret as like there's clearly not a sense of ease of like we know the way forward Right. Yeah. Like, right. Especially given Although it sounds like everybody's siding with them. Right. Her parents are apologetic yeah. and her husband is mad. And everybody thinks that this college student uh, totally deserves what she got. All right. So let me let me start from the beginning. Here's where I think you and your partner went wrong. Um, I think when all the comments were coming through, you guys had a couple of options. One was to sort of like sort of cheerfully but blandly be like, We've got a kind of annoying, like, 20-year-old do-gooder in the house, um, and and we're going to, like, you know, she's not going to be able to sell our stuff. She's not, like, a, a grandparent who's going to be babysitting the kid all the time. Sure. She's leaving again soon. We don't have to buy her plane tickets in the future. Right. We could just kind of cheerfully say, like, we'll think about that, or that's interesting, or what are some of your favorite organizations to donate money to? Right. Like, a little forbearance yes. with annoying young adults is yes. called for. Um, if that wasn't going to work, if you were really being driven totally bonkers by this, then the opportunity uh, would – the next up right thing would have been to sit down with your husband and say, like, what we need we to put, like, a pin in this. Yes. Um, do you want to totally take the lead here or do we want to do it you and me together? Yes. But certainly not I'm going to secretly take your kid sister out for sushi and, like, yell at her. Um, Or not yell at her, but, like, trick her into looking stupid. Yeah. Um, Again, that was one of those things, like, sounds really cool in a script for a TV show, but in real life is designed to obliterate, like, trust. Yeah. You know? 
there's not you you were trying to blow up a bridge in that moment and it probably felt satisfying in the first five seconds and then increasingly afterwards it felt like ah this was a slightly hollow victory over an idealistic 20 year old um because you know you gotta you gotta know when to dunk and i think this was not the right time um but the question is like, I'm not sure what to do. We'll have to see her again, but I'm not up to dealing with the tantrums. Like, it seems like the question is, like, how do we forbear further, like, criticisms of the way we live our life? Yeah. So, I mean, um, she was mad that you were a dick to her at a sushi restaurant yes. and embarrassed her. And she bitched about it on social media. Yes. Again, that to me makes sense. That seems like a reasonable response. I don't know a lot of, like... 20-year-olds who would have that happen and be like, wow, thank you. I've learned a really valuable <laughs> lesson. I My eyes have you. been opened. Yeah. Like, My paradigm has shifted. You don't have to like it. Right. But it also doesn't really affect you, you know? It, like, her college friends also probably vaguely don't like you now. Right. Fine. Doesn't affect you in any way. So the question is, I think, to what extent would you like to take some responsibility for the way that you handled it? Right. Um, it can be really hard to apologize even a little bit to someone who you know is probably not going to react well. Right. But the question is like, what what is behavior that you can feel really proud of? Um, and so I think, uh, you know, check in with your husband. Um, get on the same page. Certainly, I don't want you guys to get drawn into endlessly um, going back and forth with this about her in the future. If nothing else, I think it would be good to say like, hey, I, I want to apologize for the way that I handled it. Um, I, I think I was right to say something to you. Um, I, I think that the way that you were reacting to the money that we spent on you was not okay. Um, but I let my temper get the better of me and I behaved in a way that was designed to humiliate you. I just realized I'm nodding in agreement and nobody can see that. I, I do that sometimes too. Um, and I shouldn't have done that. And again, like, it can be really hard to apologize to like a punk teenager when you're an adult. But I think. Um, but I think you could also use the apology as a way to sort of like lead into what the expectations are the next time she visits yeah. you. Right. Like you could be like, look, the way that I addressed this was inappropriate. Yeah. I'm sorry for that. Yeah. But also the next time you see us, like the next time you come visit, like could we like, strive for yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah. And to say, like, I'm not saying that, like, you need to forgive me this second. Um, I, I, I still carry around some resentment about that visit. I think we can both agree it didn't go well. Right. You know, like, you do have a little freedom here to say, like, we're both mad. Yes. That didn't go well. Yes. Do we want to see if there's another way forward? Yes. Um, and, and hopefully you can get your husband's buy-in when you have that conversation because it would be good for him to be present for this conversation as well. It shouldn't just be the two of you. Yeah. It's Although, his sister. Yeah, it is his sister. He does seem sort of more heated than the letter writer, though. Yeah. So I would say actually like talk your husband down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Again, she's a kid. Yeah. She's not like a baby. Um, she's not somebody who should never be held responsible for the things that she says or does, but – um, you took it too far and you, you know, I, I think it will be okay, especially because like if you do apologize for that, you do offer that like olive branch, that attempt to start again. And she's just like, nope, fuck you. Right. Um, then at that point, you can just say like, okay, I'm not going to push this. Yeah. And let it go. Let her go. Don't try to fix everything. Just let her be mad at you and say like, in some ways, this probably worked out for the best. Right. And maybe in a couple of years, as she gets a little older, she will be able to see it with a bit more nuance and kind of come back and say, like, I would like to start again. Right. Um, 
but don't make any decisions right now about money for her I was college. about to say, please don't do anything with the money for the college. Like, give it a, give it a little while. Right. Like, give it a minute. I, it doesn't sound like you need the money right now for anything in your life. So, like, just hold on that for a Right. And bit. it wasn't ever going to be a loan. It was always going to be a gift. Right. Sit on that for a little while. Again, it is your money. Of course. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to give it to her. But, like, I would hold out. Yeah. I would hold off until, like, everybody's cooled off a little bit. Yep. And yeah. if, like, a year from now there's just no relationship, right. she has... Like, you know, she's in community college. It doesn't sound like she's, like, in massive need of cash right now. No, and if it also you decide, sounds like her parents are supporting her. Like, she has yeah. she has avenues available yeah. to her. Yeah, if you decide, I would rather donate this to a scholarship fund, that might be a better option. Sure. Um, if you don't, I'm not going to come to your house and yell at you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like we all find, like, Greenpeace people who stand on the sidewalk sometimes a bit much. But it would be like if you were like, man, I read one, the riot act. I stood in front of that Greenpeace person and said, I don't have time to save the whales. And here's why. Like, yeah, they're a lot. But also, like, you don't need to savagely dunk on them. You can just cross the street. I mean, they don't come into your house and do that. So that's sort of nice. I just, you know. Yeah, to me, that falls into the category of like, I, you can respond with like a gentle put down. Sure. You responded with like a. Uh, the hammer. You brought the hammer when you didn't need to bring the hammer. You know? I agree. It's hard. I know. It's hard. It oh, is. boy. Yeah, Ugh. this one's yours. This one's way worse. I, it's all so bad. This one is a hammer. Oh, but I have my favorite, like, coping strategy that I'm oh, going to offer to this letter writer. Okay. And I or just, one of my favorite coping I strategies. I went really long in the last one, so I'm going to, like, let you basically handle this one. And... Oh, but I wanted to go on a rant about the last one. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. I'll okay. do both. Okay. Great. Yeah. Subject is being so brave. Dear Prudence, I recently found out that my boyfriend of three years was cheating on me with his brother's wife. We tried to work it out, but in the end, he couldn't give her up, and I wanted to break up with him. He killed himself before I could leave him. Now it feels like he didn't just cheat on me. He cheated me out of being able to be angry with him. How can you be angry at a dead man? I didn't tell anyone what he'd done because I didn't want to destroy his brother's marriage or let my mother know that she'd been right about him. So now I've got no one in my life to let the bitter, angry pus out of the wound with. The only thing that cheers me up right now is a sort of bleak amusement at the fact that his sister-in-law can't be honest about her grief either, which is pretty twisted. Therapy is the long-term answer, obviously, but do you have any tips on how to get through the next few weeks? Sometimes I feel like I just want to scream, he was a cheating asshole at the next person to tell me I'm being brave, but his mother probably wouldn't appreciate that. Besides, as angry as I am with him, he wasn't just a cheating asshole, and it feels unfair to leave that as the last taste in anyone's mouth about him, not when he can't make up. Not when he can't make up for it to other people. Plus, I loved him for a long time. One day, when I can let myself be sad about this, the bitter, angry rants about him being an asshole probably won't feel as good as I imagine right now. So I just, I I feel this is a mess and I'm so sorry. And I'm so, like, I know that you're saying, like, your subject title is being so brave, exclamation point facetiously, but you are holding it together remarkably well. Yeah that you have not gone off on this bitter, angry rant and that you recognize that, like, that won't feel good mm -hmm. once sort of the pain of this has, once the pain and rage of this has passed. Um, so you are you are being very brave, even if you are angry with him. And it's totally fine to be angry with somebody who's dead and who can't defend themselves to you. Like, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. You can you can totally be angry with him. Um, I do hope that, like, and I hope that when you say, 
um, tips to get through the next few weeks that that means you have set up an appointment with a therapist in a few weeks. My read on that was like basically getting through the funeral, getting on the other side of like a lot of people having to talk to you about it. Oh. But yeah, it could probably also be a therapy setup. Either way, yeah. it sounds like therapy is on your list of things to do, which mm-hmm. is really like you like I want that for you. Yeah. Um, I also hope that you do have like somebody in your life that you can talk to about how angry this is and how painful and complicated this is. Um, besides a therapist, besides a family member, if you don't want to talk to a family member. Um, I think like it, it does, I can't tell what your relationship is with your mother. Um, you say you don't want her to know that she'd been right about him. Um, but I just, I hope you have somebody that you're close with that you can like express your full range of feelings about this man that you loved, that, um, that treated you badly in a lot of ways and who, uh, died really tragically. Um, uh, I do want to put in a plug for uh, throwing ice at shower walls because it feels like you're breaking plates, but there's no cleanup. See, this is why we need nurses on the show. (laughs) That is genius advice. Um, Yeah, like it's really satisfying, but you don't actually break anything. And it's like it it breaks apart like glass and it's... It's very satisfying. So if you feel yourself consumed by rage and you want to throw plates, you could also throw plates. But a, a cheaper, less cleanup way yeah. to throw plates is to throw ice at shower walls. Shower walls, because they echo, you could throw it at the pavement, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think, too, just to add to that, um, one of the things that you have right now is a lot of social freedom. Like, people understand if you have just lost your partner to suicide that you might not be up to um, – going out or talking about it. Yes. So you have a lot of leeway, I think, here to say to friends and loved ones, I'm not able to discuss him at all right now. Yes, absolutely. If you want to know how you can support me, talk to me about anything else. Anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and ask for things, Mm -hmm. right? If you want space, ask for space. If you want someone to feed you, ask them to feed you. Like, if you want to go for a walk, ask somebody to go for a walk. Like, Like, ask for the things that you need right now from the people who care about you. Yeah. Um. And ask them to, like, spread the word for you, especially among yes. your friends. Like, yeah. say, like, I have plans to get to therapy. I'm not just going to, like, deny this for the rest of my life. What I need right now is to not discuss this. Yeah. And if you can tell no, as I mean, many you people sound as from... possible, that would be the hugest help to me. Because, yeah. again, people often want to know what can I do. Yes. And this will help save you a number of conversations. Yes. And you do sound sort of remarkably in touch with, like, your inner self. Yeah. Um. And it just... It just sounds so painful. Yeah. And, and I think that with time, if you do decide you want to share some version of this, either with one or two close friends or even a relative, that you may want to do that. You don't have to right now. I think it's wise of you to say, like, I just don't trust any of us right now to talk about it. But, um, you know, if, if a couple of years from now, I don't imagine that you're going to stay in very close touch with his mother. Um, sure. And, and, and you know, you're not going to. I imagine you're not going to be spending a lot of time with that sister-in-law of his. No. So if you decide, you know, a year or two from now you've been in therapy, you want to share with a close friend who you trust, who you know doesn't see your uh, former boyfriend's uh, family, I need to talk to you about something really complicated that was going on. You may choose to do that, and that will be okay. You don't have to just, like, it's only you and a therapist for the rest of your life. Sure. 
But you already know, like, you're aware the anger sometimes fluctuates. Right. There are times when you feel like this is all I can think about. And there are also times when you're very aware, like, he was a complicated person. There were things about him and our relationship that I deeply loved. Um, you're already able to hold all of these, like, various competing truths. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's just reality. Um, you could also... Um, write things down, mm-hmm. um, like journaling or like writing letters that you like either don't send or write and then burn, like whatever would feel sort of most cathartic to you, yeah. um, you know, to him or just journaling in general. Like, I th- I do think that writing things down can sometimes be a way to like let out some, what did you call it? Bitter, angry pus. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think that that can sometimes be helpful in like doing like small amounts of pus letting. Yeah. 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 I loved that too. Again, I feel like this letter writer, one of the things you have going for you is you're able to hold multiple competing truths at the same time. Yeah. And you're just really in touch with like uh, what your pain feels like. Yeah. Um, And being able to name that sort of thing and describe it is going to serve you really well. And I don't want to just sound like you're going to be great. This is going to be fine. You'll go to therapy for six months and feel great. Yeah. But but I do think that you have, like, all of the tools to get through it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's really great to to write some of this down and to write down stuff and keep it in a really confidential place where you know sure. someone's not going to come across it. But write down the worst things that you're thinking and feeling. Yeah. Write down the just awful stuff that you feel like, I can't tell anyone about this or this is not fair to him. Like, write without judgment of what you're writing because yes. you're not saying, I'm going to publish this for other people to see you're or this is the final truth of who he was as a human being. You are just writing down your feelings. Right. Um, and that is something that you are allowed to do and you don't have to worry about, am I being fair to his memory right. by writing something angry So the bitter, angry rant that you don't want to do at a person, feel absolutely free to write that down. Yeah. 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 Um, and keep us posted. Please. Please write back in like three months or six months or a year and just let us know, has therapy been helpful? I want to know how you're doing. Has writing stuff down been helpful? Ha- have you been able to share it with anyone else in a way where you feel safe and like they're going to be able to help you um, keep it confidential? Um, how you doing? Yeah. Um, we are rooting for you. And I'm so just much. so sorry. That's so much to go through. Um, and also just. I so understand that sort of like bleak amusement of like, I have this connection to this other person I don't oh, want to have. yes, I wanted to but say. But at least we're in the same boat. It's like maybe slightly twisted, but please don't beat yourself up about that. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like it makes complete sense. It's a twisted situation. Like misery loves company is a saying for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I totally get, I totally relate to that. Yeah, I really do. So this last one. I know. We were actually emailing about I know. I have so much. I'm so worried. I am too. I'm so worried, I am too. And I think this letter writer is not coming at it from the right perspective. I mean, it's it's the wrong question. I I don't want to come down too harshly, but I I do think it's the wrong question. Yeah. 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 Um, And maybe maybe it's the wrong question because sometimes if you see something getting worse slowly over time, you have a hard time. No, I mean, I, I, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of feelings yeah yeah we'll yeah we'll get there (laughs) i have a lot of feelings so uh the subject here is friendship versus filth dear prudence every so often i visit a dear friend of mine who lives about 50 minutes away we typically hang out at her home which is oftentimes in a state of squalor there's a foul odor reminiscent of animal feces her floors and furniture are covered with miscellaneous items there's rotting food left out in the open Last time I visited, there are about a dozen used menstrual pads littering her bathroom floor. She works two jobs, is a single mother, and also struggles with mental health issues, so I understand that cleaning may not be a priority. 
but I am at the point where I truly cannot fathom going to her home again. The last two times I was there, I got sick, once with a stomach virus and most recently with a sinus infection. Her visiting me is not an option, as I live in a city and she dislikes start driving in city traffic. How can I maintain our friendship and my health? Yeah, so... um. As I said, I think it's the wrong question um, because um, used menstrual pads on the floor, rotting food, animal feces are not um, – are, like, pretty far past, like, cleaning not being a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like this person is in, like, some degree of crisis. Yes. Um, which may be – like, it's unclear to me, like, how – um, like how long the crisis has been going on for, yeah, yeah. but certainly like this, per- like this person is struggling yeah. a lot. So like the question that it sounds like you're asking is how can you maintain your friendship and your health, which is like a fairly easy answer. Like you would go meet, the- like you don't want to go into this person's home again. Right. Right. So, but the- you don't just leave it at that. But the answer to that, like, so the answer to that question, the question that you're asking is fairly easy. Like you meet at a neutral place, you go to a coffee shop, you go to a park, we go for a walk, whatever, but it's the wrong question to be asking. Yeah. Um, and I understand why you would like that would be the question because to go into a space like that, like that, um, it like I can imagine that it feels like so big and yeah. like it just like like despair permeates that space and you when you're in it, so you right. don't want to go into it. Right. Um, but um, but I think that the correct question would be like, how can I maintain our friendship and how can I help my friend? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a harder question to answer yes. than how do I not go into my friend's house? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what sort of city you live in. I don't know what everybody's financial resources are. Um, but um, but I think sort of figuring out what sort of resources are available to this person would be a place to start. Because it, if you're at a place where you can't um, keep sort of rot and bodily fluids out of your house like you just like we need you need to call in the cavalry yeah one thing that you had mentioned in our emails was that you didn't think that the letter writer had actually gotten sick from the house it's it's really unlikely that they got a sinus infection from being in that home okay um it's just because like it's viral yeah um like the if you touched something in your friend's house you could have gotten some what was the other one a stomach thing Mm -hmm. a stomach thing in theory, you could pick up a stomach thing from something like that, um, like bacteria living in the house. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, it, it, it's unlikely. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know how unlikely it is. The, yeah. the sinus infection feels very unlikely to me that you would get a sinus infection from that home, a stomach thing you could have. Um, but there's another person and a child living in that house. 24-7. 24-7. So that, so if you, right. Risk. So if you think that you're getting sick from that house, which may or may not be accurate, but right. but you believe you're getting sick from that house, then there are people who live in that in those conditions 24-7 and the likelihood that if it's getting you sick, it's also getting them sick. Right. And I would be very concerned about that. Right. So my my thought here is the first person you talk to about this is your friend. Yes. Even if you believe she's having a mental health crisis that's not being um, like adequately addressed right now, Yes. I, I think you need to have the conversation with her first. Yes. Of like, I haven't known how to bring this up because uh, – I've been. Uh, I haven't wanted to make you feel bad, and I right. want to make. It I love really you, clear and I don't want to judge you. But uh, your house is so distressing. 
Yes. It's not it's I, I don't believe that you and your kids are safe there right now. And I want to help. Yes. Um, and so you, I think, again, in terms of options like, um, again, depending on the size of your city, um, you could offer to pay for a cleaning, a cleaning service. service. And at that point, I would say look up specifically cleaning services that deal with biohazards. Basically hazmat And cleaning. medical waste. Yes. Because you don't want to just call some like local cleaning company where they're right. like, we have, you know, a handful of cleaning products and we're used to like you know, scrubbing dirty floors yes. and say like, hey, we're sending you in to like mold and yes. used pads. Like this yes. needs to be people who who, who are getting who are who are used to dealing with that and who get paid. have the tools and adequate compensation. Yes. Um, yes. And, and really, I mean, push that. Yes. If she is super resistant. That's the thing that. that I was thinking of when I said I don't know what people's financial resources are. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if the letter writer is in a position to offer that. But right. I think if they are in a position to offer that, even if, or like, I don't like have a bake sale. I mean, not a bake sale, but like. I don't know if you know any of this woman's other friends, but like I I really think like she really needs a lot of. This is not a stage of again, you want to go about it in a way that's not like broadcasting to everyone like our friend lives in filth, but it's past like I need to keep this a secret for her. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, if she is like. And that's another thing that you could bring up with her when you speak to her. If you don't know any of her other friends, if you don't know who her other support is, you could ask her. You could be like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm concerned. I want to do this. Um, is there anybody else that I can sort of um, enlist in like helping sort of try and get things more manageable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, again, depending on how that goes, if she's like. If it's hard for her, but she's receptive, again, just really stress how much you love her and yeah. just like. And, it, I, and I can tell that you care about her because in you, the last line of your letter, like you've gone yeah. to this house that fills you with despair right. at least twice. Right. So you clearly care enough about her to, to brave that. And then you also in your letter, in the last line of your letter, you recognize that like she's not going to come to you because yeah. she doesn't like driving in a city right. and you still want to maintain that connection with her. So I, I do want to acknowledge that like I can tell that you really do care about this right. person. Right. But um, and not... I know it can feel really overwhelming when somebody that you care about is in like sort of like a really dark place and right. it can be hard to acknowledge like exactly how dark it is. Right. Right. Because you wrote out these things, but I think without sort of having the like emotional connection to like what that actually means. Right. And then I would say, so uh, depending on how that goes, that might be the first step. Yeah. Um, and then also just saying like, I'm really worried about you. I want you to see a doctor about yes. how you're doing. I, I yes. want to know how you're, I want to make sure your kids are going to the doctor. Yeah. Um, and again, like, I don't often recommend this, but it may be, depending on how those conversations go, um, necessary for you to ask for a wellness check. Yes. Because um, if the kids are being fed yeah, spoiled un- food. Right. It's um, unclear to me how old this part, the child is. Right. It says single mom. So yeah. there's no indication of how old the kid is. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. And again, you letter writer will know better. Like yes. if you know, like actually the kid mostly is at daycare with a relative and in a super safe place. Right. Maybe that's not going to be a priority. Maybe right. you're going to stick more to finding the right kind of cleaning service right. um, and encouraging her to go to the But doctor. I would say that if the child is in this environment a lot of the time, yeah. like the kid needs to be protected. Right. Yeah. And again, um, I think it's good to say that to your friend first. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying call the state right now before yeah. you talk to your friend. Um, and again, like you could maybe call like the local non-emergency um, uh, health line and kind of say, if I see this kind of a situation, what options are there available? Yeah. Um, is there, are there ways that the city can help? Are there ways in which she can like access more resources? Yeah. Um, and in larger cities, again, I don't know where you are in larger cities, a lot of larger, or not a lot, but some larger cities have like specific mental health 
uh, sort of teams that can go out and, like, um, address something like this. And, like, they, you know, they go in with, like, they don't go in with cops. They go in with, like, nurses and counselors and and stuff like that. Because that you really want to stress. You don't want, like... The cops showing up. At no, her door I don't want night. the cops. Yeah. I don't think the cops will be useful here at all. No, I don't think this. Is... Um, but and the letter writer does say that they live in a city, so that does make me think. You know, she doesn't like driving in city traffic. I live in a city, so she doesn't visit me. So oh, so I, it sounds I think like odds the le- are good that there's going to be some resources. Well, it sounds like the letter writer lives in the city, but oh, I see what you mean. But the I was just thinking like maybe close enough. Sure, 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 be... sure, sure. Yeah, I mean it's often by county. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. Regardless, like, I do think it's worth going on the whatever county your friend lives in, going on the city website and seeing what resources yeah. are available. So the question is not how do we maintain an otherwise normal friendship like we have. I just don't Without go going her into house. her house. Yeah. Especially given that there's kids and you think that she's got mental health needs that aren't being addressed. Yeah. Um, this needs to... Um, I mean, it doesn't say that she doesn't think they're being addressed, but we think they're not being addressed. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah, it's unclear. It doesn't sound like the mental health issues are like she has an amazing like therapist that she's got health sure. insurance yeah, yeah. and is being like supervised by a doctor. So yeah. I just think um, your friend needs a lot of help right now, and yeah. now is the time to like call in her circle um, and say she needs help, and we need to do what we can. And whether that's all we chip in to have the house regularly, like deep cleaned yeah um whether that's we like because once it's cleaned once it's easier to maintain exactly Um, yeah and even if that means like periodically like all chipping in to make sure someone's doing it if that's the help she needs because she's not able to do that and work two jobs and deal with some sort of mental health diagnosis i forgot about the two jobs yeah so um, much it's i'm sure it's a combination of of both just whatever issues she has and then also there's just not a lot of time in the day yeah um and do what you can do what yeah. you can as a collective to support this friend of yours and to help her in whatever way that you can so that if there are like county or state level interventions, it's not just her versus the state. Yeah. And I'm really sorry. Me too. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. Well, I am just about ready to like play cards for a couple of hours. Yeah. Should we go? You want to go play Uno? Yeah, actually. All right. Let's do it. I would love that. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Being so wise. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. And production assistance is by Taylor Simmons. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. <laughs>